Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. Very excited to finally have this guest on the podcast because he and I did an interview uh, a few years ago uh, as part of Beyond Type 1's Imagine Spotlights uh, campaign uh, during the summer of 2021, but it's been a little while and so I'm super psyched that we were able to get him on the podcast today. Mr. Austin James, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. And Austin is one of our amazing people with diabetes who is an artist and a, a musical artist and recording artist. And there are other uh, people with diabetes that we've had on the podcast that are recording artists. And I'm always so interested in the stories, not only uh, that they interact with fans, like after shows and on the road, but just managing your diabetes as an artist and, you know, kind of dealing with the highs and lows of being on the road and traveling a lot and being out late and working late in the studio. So really excited to dig into that, but let's start where we always start and let's get into diagnosis because I know you and I were kind of diagnosed at the same age. So tell us like, you know, when, when you've got that news that you, Austin James are now living with type one diabetes, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, I was 17. So it was my senior year of high school finishing up and uh, yeah, I got diagnosed. I was, you know, the classic signs, the frequent urination, the horrible weight loss, which was which was really tough on me, especially being an athlete, a dual athlete with soccer and basketball. And it affected both of those seasons my senior year. But it was it was tough. It was it was a tough diagnosis and it was an overnight change. Uh but I had a I had a good support system with my with my family, with uh, mother especially and uh, I took on uh, pretty much all the responsibility by myself I was old enough to understand didn't didn't quite understand at the time why I had it but uh, right or how but as I as I learned you know it's just it was just one of those things kind of living inside me and uh, yeah here I am today doing this <laughs> yeah it, it, it's always funny like looking back you know, cause you, you know, I was an athlete as well. And just like the adjustments that you have to make. And then also understanding that there's nothing that you did to cause it. Right. And I think that those are always like, there's a lot of questions and, and often, you know, living with diabetes, we're left with more questions than answers and they sort of get answered over time. So like learning about different kinds of diabetes and different technology and, you know, people back, in, back when we were diagnosed where it was like, oh, maybe it was the flu that kicked off this chronic illness. And that now we're learning, you know, more about all of those kind of tragic events that are happening inside of our body. But something that really like jumped out to me because we were diagnosed very similar ages. I was 16 and you were 17, your senior year of high school. What was the reaction like around you? Like at school, what did you, you know, how did it, how did you like address it with your friends and peers? Like right from the beginning, do you remember? Yeah, so fortunately, I, uh, <laughs> uh, my friend Chris, he was in the grade below me, so he was a junior. He was a type one diabetic, and I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't advocate using other people's, you know, diabetic supplies or whatever. But you know, I ended up testing my uh, my blood sugar at school, and it was got six hundred. So just a little, uh, high. yeah, just just a little bit. So, but it was nice to have somebody else that had type one diabetes. So it wasn't so much a huge, huge deal because people had already gotten used to him having it, but it was kind of like, oh, that's pretty random. 
but no, I mean, it didn't, I didn't feel out of place. I think I was more embarrassed than anything because I didn't understand why. Yeah. And I think like it can be very isolating. So it's good that you had, you know, somebody that's around and kind of explain it. And, and also, you know, of all of the the self-diagnosis stories, like usually it's like a parent who's a nurse or something, but man, I, I keep saying this and I'm going to continue saying it. A friend with diabetes is a friend indeed. Cause you never know uh, when you're going to need to test, test your blood sugar, you know, just like, or, you know, they could be the difference between you going to the hospital or like, you know, getting a diagnosis, you know, at the right time. So shout out to everybody's friends with diabetes. Absolutely. So let, let's talk a little bit about like your life as a musician. You've been a musician like your whole life, basically kind of like, you know, since you were five and you're also classically trained in violin. So, you know, how has music helped you navigate the frustrating and often difficult life with diabetes? Is that, you know, the, would you say it's like your safe space that you're able to go or, you know, how did that start to manifest itself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's my, uh... It's the one place where I feel completely honest. Not that not that I'm not, you know, living an honest life outside of music, but it's it's where I can express myself in the most honest way. And you know, I never I never really got into the whole journaling thing because I would I would I would write and it would turn into a song. <laughs> so it was my way to kind of help myself understand what I was going through to to get through those those highs and lows I guess pun intended there but it was music has music has definitely given me a a healthy outlet whether or not the music is sad or not it, it, it's 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 part of my journey and it's and it's a tool and it's a gift that I've that I've been given in order to help me kind of understand the world in a different way. Well, and I know, I think a lot of people, you know, with diabetes, like whether the song maybe overtly mentions it or not, probably connect themselves to those feelings and to those emotions that like are, you know, coming through the music, you know, from your life with diabetes and kind of like translate it into, you know, something they can connect to. Absolutely. And I, you know, I've never, I've never kind of been overt in my lyrics with with diabetes because I try to, you know, with my own writing, I try to be as as universal as possible so that people can kind of draw their own conclusions and meanings from my songs. But, you know, if I'm doing a songwriter session and and able to talk about the song, that's when I can really share my story and how my diabetes and my music connect. And, and with that too, like when, you know, and now you're very outspoken, outspoken about your diabetes and, you know, you're out in, in the community, you're the face of, of an Abbott campaign, which we're going to talk about later on, but was it always that way with you? Did, did that, you know, did you feel like you were able to, from a, from kind of day one, able to share that, or was that something that you grew into? It's certainly something I grew into. Like I said before, I was, I was pretty embarrassed about it. Pretty low key. Um, it was it was hard getting through my senior year of high school, but also through college as well, because you know I, this was this was pre pre Obamacare, so I wasn't on my parents' insurance. I had to hustle to get my insulin. I was rationing, so that was that was really 
it was a really tough few years there. So I kept it as hush hush as possible. And, you know, all I wanted to do is, you know, go to my classes and, and party after on the weekends. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I wasn't able to do those things safely. You know, I was, I was tired of the finger pricks and all this and that. But then uh, just a few years ago, right before the, I think end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I was finally able to get that that Freestyle Libre for the 14-day system, the first one. And uh, it literally changed my life. I was I was able to get the feeling back in my fingers and play music without all the pain. And, and I was just kind of invigorated. And I was like, I got to share this. I'm sure here I am sharing my music, but I'm not sharing my story. Like I could be helping people. And um, I just did a video on my Instagram of me doing, I think, a site change and a couple of really amazing people that have become lifelong friends of mine reached out to me and kind of the rest is history. It's always cool to hear like what other people's like moment that they sort of came out to the diabetes community, right? Because uh, like you, I kind of lived my first 10 years with diabetes, like really closed off and kind of managing it myself. And I, Eritrea and I did an interview recently where we were talking about, you know, when you're high and you're low and somebody asks you an annoying question, like sometimes you like real quickly shut them down or like, you know, bite their head off. And I was certainly guilty of that. Like anytime anyone was like asking me about things, I felt like, no, 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 don't look at me. I'm going to do this myself. And, and then it kind of, I had this moment kind of very similar to you where I thought, well, me holding this story internally is not helping anyone. And, and maybe my story could could help someone else out there who's feeling alone. And, uh, just, just like you, I you know and Instagram didn't have videos at the time that I did it, but yeah, putting up, pushing, putting yourself out there and saying, Hey, raising your hand, I have diabetes and I do all these other things. It's such a powerful moment for people. Was that, you know, just the, you know, going from the finger sticks to the CGM, to the site change, like that was, that was the catalyst for you of really like getting more out there in the diabetes community. It, it it really was. I mean, I, I <laughs> regrettably so I had stopped really like finger pricking like I was supposed to because it was just so painful. So I mean, I I was I had already built up some you know really several layers of calluses on my fingertips from playing the guitar, especially, and um, I was also playing violin. So I I was I was kind of losing a little finesse there, and I had to prick the pads of my fingers. Dude, that was so painful. I was like, this is this is horrendous. I hate diabetes. I hate this life. Like, I'm not going to finger prick. And here I am trying to pretend like I can trust my body completely. And, you know, it was it was it was it was tough. It was really tough on me. And I I my bass player actually had the CGM and uh, said, dude, what is this? What is this? And he told me he's a he's a type two diabetic. And I I talked to my doctor about it, and it probably took me about five or six doctors before I finally got approved for it. That's a whole different story for a whole other time. But uh, yeah, accessibility to technology is kind of a tough thing in insurance right now. But I was able to get on it and literally changed my life. I, I am so grateful for it. 
man, you are lucky to have some friends with diabetes and like peers with yeah. diabetes around you. It seems like, like you're just like a walking billboard for the community. That's so awesome. It's it's wild. I've been, I've been, been pretty blessed and lucky with that. So. So you, you mentioned the calluses and as a musician, like, especially a strings musician, like developing calluses is essential to, you know, being able to get the sound that you want to get and keep it consistent. And, you know, with diabetes, like you're just interrupting that and, and also like having to turn the lancet all the way up to 10, just to, you know, get a little bit of blood out potentially, or moving it down your fingers. What other challenges like this being a musician with diabetes present? I know like being on the road and playing late night shows and, and, you know, even just playing shows in general, like what, what's going on with your body and your blood sugar when those things are happening? I mean, just the, uh, I know, I know playing, you know, playing, especially your bigger shows, you know, your big festivals or, or even being on set, you know, my blood sugar tends to, tends to spike and it's, it's the adrenaline you have in your system. You're really excited about it. And that can be really tough. And you, you have to be careful to not stack your insulin and get those lows, which often happen. So I'll be midway through a set or midday on, uh, you know, on, on, on a, on a shoot or something and I'm crashing. I'm like, Oh no, I, I didn't pay attention. I did too much or I didn't eat enough. But those things are, those are probably the biggest challenges. And then, you know, you're trying to suck down some, some soda, like during a quick set break and, and get up there and sing through that or act through that. And then you got to talk to your fans after, and you're like, I need a second. Sometimes I got to be like, okay, hold on one second. Let me grab something. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest about it because, you know, these days people recognize me from the, from the commercial which is still a wild thing so they're really understanding which is great but uh, yeah it's a multi-layered experience for sure being a creative with a performer with with diabetes well and i think too it just takes a lot of like vulnerability not just to say hey this is difficult for me but just to be honest and and say and up front and say hey i'm i'm going through something really quick like let me chug this juice box before we move on to the next song you know, and, and just being able to, I think it's so important for people, you know, who are seeing you do that, who live with diabetes, because then hopefully they'll have the courage or be able to, to see, oh, because Austin is honest and has courage about his diabetes. Maybe I can do the same thing for me and for myself in my life. And I think those are the things that you don't necessarily see, but I know those things are having an impact and like people are making that connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's been the probably the greatest part of all of this is just being able to connect with people that I otherwise wouldn't have ever been able to do. And, um, you know, everybody's got their own story, but I feel like with, with us, especially as type one diabetics, like there's a really familiar line that kind of goes through all of our stories and connects us all. And it's, it's pretty fascinating to hear everybody's it's almost like it's almost like the multiverse. There's a little there's a little 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 differences in each story, but it's still yeah. it's still there. It's still us. It's still us in the in the community. And it's been a, it's been a wild ride, man. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, it continues to be a wild ride for me too. Like I, I you know, this has been a, I had a tough diabetes day or, uh, this week, and I was like, man, like just when you think you got to figure it out, like something twists. <laughs> like it just still throw you a little extra curveball just just to keep you uh, just to keep you honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough, tough week for me too. Made some, 
made some changes lately with, uh, you know, not just medication, but with diet and been, uh, you know, having those, having those crashes lately. And I, I usually don't run low. So it's been a, it's been a challenging week and then getting back into playing basketball, which I know you are, uh, you are a fantastic player yourself and <laughs> playing ball with diabetes, man. That's a tough thing. That's Let's a- talk about it because, you know, thank first of all, thank you for the compliment, but like, I also like, I'm just, I'm a man, I'm a men's league guy now, or like a pickup player now. Like that's, yeah. you know, my, my professional days are behind me, but I still have the challenges of, you know, when you, you get there, just like you were saying about a performance, you're excited, your adrenaline's running, you're getting on the court, you go up high and then you play for a little while and you kind of stay a little bit high, but you know, as soon as you sit down after it's over, you're going to pull in two arrows straight down. So yeah. How do you, how do you prep for, you know, what's in the Austin James gym bag when you're just having to go play some pickup? <laughs> the gym bag. Yeah. So, you know, you always got to have those. Those Welch's fruit snacks, man. That's the that's the go-to. A banana before I play has definitely been helping me. Not just with the potassium, because I, you know, I also um was recently, goodness, recently diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So my lactic acid buildup is like five times the normal. So that's really tough on my muscles. So I'm eating a banana beforehand keep and keeping myself hydrated and then just kind of monitoring my my glucose levels through and and understanding that hey that high is gonna happen and you just gotta ride that out you gotta ride that out so it's about figuring out how to maintain when to eat one of those fruit snacks because you know you're gonna drop and it's just man it's you're 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 doing the job of your of your poor dead organ there and it is full-time pancreas right full-time pancreas it's always on my mind so you know it it can get frustrating but uh, at the same time it it keeps me diabetes has definitely taught me to be just mindful of my body i have to be mindful and that's a lot that's a lot mentally but at the same time it's also good to be to be health conscious 24 seven and know what I'm putting in my body and how much I'm exerting and this, that, and the other. So it's a, it's a challenge, but it's a, it's one I'm up for. Well, and it sounds like recently, you know, being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, like that added a, another layer of complexity and oftentimes, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'll, I'll categorize, I'll, I'll give that the caveat always is that I, I am just the podcast guy, but my sister actually is, is thankfully going through her first pregnancy. And so we're going to get a, a, a nephew or niece here soon. And that's, that's going to be really exciting for me. But she also learned like through that process that she carries a recessive trait for fibromyalgia, which is not uncommon among people who have diabetes in their family. So as we kind of are asking those questions, like you were, when you were diagnosed, like, why is this happening? Or where is this coming from? we're kind of understanding that as well. So how, A, like, you know, what were your symptoms kind of like going in and how did, how did you approach that diagnosis and how are things different for you now after being diagnosed with fibromyalgia? Oh, goodness. So, you know, I was, I was struggling a lot with obviously the mental health aspects, but, you know, brain fog that was kind of moonlighting as memory loss. I was having Hmm. a hard time getting my thoughts in order, um, 
the the pain, just the 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 fatigue, the low energy, chronic migraines. I mean, I had I think of the eighteen symptoms, I had seventeen of them. Wow. Just like what is like what is going on with my body? I felt like like I didn't know my body anymore and I was getting so frustrated and so just worn out, just wanted to give up and like, man, but it's so it's so connected because I'm already immunocompromised with the diabetes. And, you know, I've always I've always been so good with my diabetes, never been, you know, hospitalized for it. And, you know, thankfully, if I've just always really taken care of myself and prided myself on that. But here I am taking care of that, but I'm getting this other thing that's really tough. And, you know, it's one day I could be out on the court. The next day I have my cane, you know, cause I can't walk. Right. I can't move. So it's just kind of being gentle with myself and saying, Hey, you know, be grateful for the body you're in, even though sometimes it doesn't work like you want it to. Well, and I think too, like listening to your body and being mindful of it, like you, like you said, you're so on top of your diabetes management and then to be able to not feel well and to know, and like something else to be wrong and have to learn another hurdle and another, you know, set of symptoms to keep an eye on or medications to take and, you know, different types of preparation while that rhythm like is familiar for somebody managing a chronic illness and an immunocompromise, like it can also be frustrating. So like, how did you like, did you feel a little bit of relief when you got the diagnosis that it wasn't like just in your head or that at least, you know, something else was wrong that, that could be identified? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it gives you, it gives you an assurance that you can do something to at least manage it. But the, you know, the optics are tough because at the end of the day, something like fibromyalgia and, and even diabetes at times can be that invisible illness. So, you know, you got guys on the court making fun of me because, you know, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you limping around? It's like, well, I mean, I, I can't move. I got no limp <laughs> right. in my number today or, you know, I, I can barely run up and down the court or, you know, people at shows saying, you know, what's, you know, what's going on? You know, you seem really low energy and, you know, it's, 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 it's hard. The optics are tough, but, you know, being able to kind of figure out a pain management treatment has been really helpful. And, you know, it's, it's, it's it, at the end of the day, it is, it is a lot, but there's, there's hope there, which is, which is great. There is. And I think too, you know, that's a very relatable experience, right? When you, you know, people like to poke fun at things that are different, especially in a, a pickup game, right? Cause there's like the, there's a little bit of like machismo and masculine, you know, going back and forth. Right. And so, but then it kind of, you're like, oh yeah, I live with really debilitating, painful illness. Like, don't you feel great about making fun of me? <laughs> <laughs> Throw it at them, you know, make them feel bad. Like, oh, my bad, man. Like, that's all good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, Hey, this is me being honest. It's like, yeah, that's sometimes like when I'm really like really feeling myself on the court, I like, will remember that I have a pump in my like, like tights. It's like sitting, you know, just in my pocket basically. And it's like, they don't have that and they don't know that I do. And I just get, this is like a little private little flex for myself, which is always fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting moment to just, I just want to say, cause there's a lot of jock stuff going on right now, but it's just, 
there's still stigma on the court. Like, I think that that's so like, as men, you're out here, you're sweating, you're grunting, you're doing all this like athleticism and we still have to be mean to each other. So I just, for a moment, like we got to think like where, like, why does this stigma exist in that way? Like, I just wish there was more compassion for each other on the basketball court, but I guess y'all go in there with this mama mentality. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, everybody's trying to get, everybody's trying to get their work in, you know, I, I think it's so interesting though, because it is stigma. But also, like, it's an opportunity. So because if you don't live with diabetes, I try to think of myself before I was diagnosed, I never thought about diabetes at all. And it just wasn't really involved with my life. I knew that there were people around with type 2 diabetes, that there were some people who had diabetes when they were younger, but I didn't really know anything about it. And so I think now, as a mature person, a very mature, buttoned-up basketball-playing individual, I can, like, say, oh, yeah it's a recognition that this person just doesn't know anything about diabetes and maybe I can be the example for them and they're just coming from a place of, of lacking information. And so I don't know in my, I also will like throw a couple, like, you know, snap back, you know, quick reactions from time to time. I'm not guilty or I'm not, I'm not innocent of that, but Hey, you know, it's just, is what it is. It happens, man. That's testosterone gets going and the Rob how wrath is not something oh that gosh. I think anybody wants to experience. I feel like a lot of people don't even know it exists, but I'm telling you, like it is real. Between the lines, like it cut, you know, it just you never know what can happen. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, let's just let's let's shift back though to kind of like educating and and like being very visible. Uh you now, you've always been, I think, in a, a visible like as an artist, you've been visible with your diabetes and like been out in the public eye, but over the last year or two, even more so as the face of the Abbott campaign. And I think that a, like a, every time I'm at a, a, a hotel or like a public event with addressable TV, because I know about media targeting and I know how that gets placed. Like I'm in the room and they know I have diabetes. So I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that ad. So you follow me around pretty regularly. So what what's it like for you to like be somewhere like see the ad or like how do, do people reach out to you and talk to you or like even family members or like friends that don't have diabetes like what's it like being the face of a of a big brand like Abbott it's 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 insane man i i get i get the messages all the time you know it's, I'm, I'm mostly on mostly on instagram because that's where i do the majority of my social media promotion but lots of messages from strangers from family i've been able to connect with some incredible people too i had a grammy award-winning artist reach out to me who is currently on tour with chris stapleton which is incredible he reached out to me and was just saying hey i saw your ad and you know it really it really you know kicked me in the butt and got me to wear my cgm again and take care of my diabetes so that that meant a lot to me wow never had that conversation if I wasn't doing what I was doing and you know I've had some some pretty incredible connections with a mother had reached out to me and said that her daughter always sees my commercial on tv and says oh I want to I want to be a musician just like Austin and and that was that was an incredible thing because you know I I wasn't terribly young when I had diabetes so I don't I can't even imagine how it is for some five or six year old to, to go through that and but to have 
to have an example of somebody that's that's living their dream that's a big that's a big deal um for 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 kids to to have somebody to look up to and that that person gets to be me like first of all that's that's crazy i never would have thought in a million years that it would be me but man at the end of the day i'm just i'm just trying to share my story and and help people and i think that comes across in that ad even even the 30 seconds it's on you know just that it's honest it's me that's me that's what i'm going through this is what i've been through and this thing has changed my life well i think it's so important to be vulnerable and be open about that and for you know like you said that young girl can see someone who is living the life that she can envision for herself and it's like i want to be a musician like austin and just that didn't exist like you know for me i remember in the early days of Google, like finding that, you know, Adam Morrison played, you know, had played college basketball with diabetes and Chris Dudley played in the NBA with diabetes. And I was like, okay, well it's possible, but there's no way to reach out to those people or connect to those people. But now because of social media, we can see that. And, you know, her mom can send you a message and like connect with you and be like, you know, you're able to like cheer them on and encourage them from afar in a way that makes kind of everybody feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Technology has really changed that. I remember being an eight-year-old and like meeting adults at events, like at diabetes camps, because I was diagnosed when I was really small and like being like, oh, well, I want to be whatever, such and such is a marathoner or such and such can do whatever. So it's just really cool to me that someone like you, Austin, can impact people that you don't even know that whose heart you're touching or whose soul you're inspiring, what four-year-old or 10-year-old is looking at you and is like, that guy that's the guy that I want to be like when I grow up. So that's, that, that's completely changed the game. So how inspiring that you get to change things for people who not, who maybe see themselves in you in different ways. And I think too, like even people that you don't know that live with diabetes who are like peers of yours, like, so you said like another Grammy winning artist, like saw you an artist with diabetes, like talking about a CGM and it motivated them to like take better care of themselves, which is like such a small thing, but like what a big impact, you know, for that one person, especially is just like, we all know the impact that like seeing yourself in somebody else with diabetes can have. And that's why it's so important to have musicians and athletes and business people and models and moms and dads and, you know, and brothers and sisters on the podcast, because otherwise, like, you know, what do you do when you're diagnosed with diabetes? You look for somebody who is doing the thing that you love or doing the thing that you want to do just so that you can know it's possible. And now you can not only find it's possible, but you can reach out to those people and, you know, ask them as many questions as, you know, they're comfortable answering. Right. But there's great examples in the community all across. And I just, I think it's a really cool patient empowered shift that, you know, social media has given us and that we're able to, to know you, know you, like I shouldn't really like 10 years ago, we never would have been able to know each other and have, and have these connections and like be inspired by, you know, these inspiring stories. So yeah, it really is cool to see how, you know, putting the story and and really putting the power in the patient's story and and using their voice, you know, can have really big ripple effects. Yeah, and I mean, what in another important thing to add to that too is just the visibility, um, in the black and brown communities too, which is really important because diabetes is such an epidemic. You know, folks like Dex and uh, Mila. And Kelvin Davis, like it, and myself, we've been able to, you know, have our faces and our and our voices and our share our stories shared in those black and brown communities that are often underserved and and have less access to 
you know, this incredible diabetes technology. And uh, that's probably been the, the most important thing that I know I've been able to do. And I think they, they would agree with that as well. Yeah. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast, like that, you know, historically diabetes has had a very particular aesthetic when it become when it comes to like marketing and even just like stock photos of people with diabetes are just mostly white. And Hello, so, white, you know, super blancos. <laughs> super. <laughs> so yeah. So just oh, to get I, to I, see yeah. like you, you guys representing that on a, on a bigger level and like be somebody and also away from stigma because it's not just like, Oh, look at these black people with diabetes and how bad their life is. It's the exact opposite. It's like, look at these people who represent diabetes in a positive way and in the way that it should be more inclusive and, you know, inclusive of people with different careers. Like, you know, you mentioned you Dex and Mila, all three, all three of you are wildly different and yet you live with the same disease and, you know, can use the same technology and all, both of those, both of them are friends of the pod. So shout out to Dex and Mila for sure. It's also important to note that like people of color are not just severely like over impacted by diabetes, but also we don't think that we should be get access to these things. Like for a lot, like you think it's fancy, you think it's out of reach. You think like this is the BMW of diabetes when really like everyone across the board should have access to CGM because time and range should be the way that we are measuring diabetes for everyone. She's spitting now. Yes. bars right there bars oh my god yeah that is i could have said it better myself that was that's it that's it right there access <laughs> well we've uh, hit the access we've hit the access point which is super important and i think really close adjacent to that is mental health which is also an invisible you know struggle and you, you're not able to see a burden that somebody's carrying you know, for you, like being a mental health advocate publicly as an artist and as a person with a chronic illnesses, you know, what, what made you, you know, be willing to share that with, with your community, with your fans and like, what was it that, that was sort of the catalyst of you deciding that it was really important for you to put that out there? Yeah, that's loaded. That's a big, big question. That's sorry for springing that on you. Oh, it's all good. So I think being a creative in the way that I was doing it, you know, everything was so, everything that I wrote and played and performed was so inherently personal. So here mm-hmm. I am share, sharing what I'm going through, you know, and I started writing after my sister passed away back in 2009. That's when I really started to write my own songs. The first song I wrote was about, was about her. And so everything was so deeply personal, you know, and I've learned to kind of write about what's going on around me or something that's maybe not even be, you know, connected to me per se, but God, it was so personal. So I had, I felt like I had no choice, but to talk about those, those mental health connections there and, you know, to be vulnerable and candid at right now. When I was 30, when I turned 30, I had a complete, like, just out of nowhere, complete mental breakdown. I was, I, I didn't know what I was, I was almost comatose and I was hospitalized and it was, it was a scary time. I didn't know what was going on. Why am I like this all of a sudden? You know, but there's, there's that chemical aspect to it. And is it, was it connected to my diabetes? You know, that was around the time when I, was 
was pretty sick of the finger sticks and I wasn't on the CGM yet. So, but, you know, being able to be, you know, be medicated at the time and, and have a, a talk therapist and, you know, a good community around me of people that were checking in with me and making sure that I was good because I had always been the one checking in on everybody else. And it was, it was a situation where God, like here I am pouring into everybody else, but who's pouring back into me. Mm. And I, and I needed that at the, at that time. And, you know, maybe that was part of that breakdown as well. You know, you, the diabetes, the, just that, the, the, the giving spirit without the reciprocation. And it was, it was, it was a lot. So, you know, I was, I was pretty open about what I went through and, and, you know, I had a photo shoot shortly after that was focused on mental health that connected with a lot of people. And that, shoot gave me the confidence to, to then talk about my diabetes journey and what I'd been through and how it was all connected. So it's, it is, it is difficult to be vulnerable, but it's gotten easier. And now it's just like, Hey, this is part of my story. I'm not ashamed to share it. And especially as a, as a, as a man, but, a, but a man of color dealing with mental health, God, the stigma's there Ooh, through the roof, man. It's just through the roof. And, you know, a lot of a lot of guys in in my circle are, you know, hey, I don't need therapy. Oh, I'm fine. Just you know, man up. You'll be you'll be good. You'll be good. And it's like, nah, man. It's it's like I'm I'm gonna check in on you because I know that I know that life is hard enough. You know, and then you throw mm. kids and illness and this, that, and the other, and 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 just getting older. You throw that all into the mix, and you know, you're gonna need your. At the end of the day, you're gonna need your people. Man, that's couldn't have said it better. I think, you know, especially, you know, we were talking about our, uh, we were talking about our, you know, basketball games and like our guys in, in our, you know, masculine circles who are, you know, they're kicking the can down the road. I'll get to it later, or it's not a priority right now, or I'm worried about other stuff. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And if you're, you know, if you're constantly pouring that out, I think that's what you were saying with like, what are you taking in? Like, you know, what are you, what is that reciprocation? You got to make sure that you're filling yourself up, whether that's with talk therapy, whether that's even just simple things like sleep and hydration and medication, like making sure that you're taking care of yourself and being mindful of, of enough to say, wow, I, I feel different. Maybe I, maybe I should reach out and, you know, ask a friend. I think I got, I want to be that friend for, for my people. And it's not, it sounds like you're the same way for yours. And I think, especially in those, you know, alpha male communities where, you know, you're, you're not trying to, nobody wants to admit that something's difficult or nobody wants to admit that they need help somewhere and everybody's trying to power through. And I just think that, you know, spoken from a recovering alpha hyper-masculine dude from back in the athlete days, you know, little talk therapy goes a long way and you know, mindfulness and consistency, I think is another thing. And, and, you know, you talked about aging, which is another thing that's, that's tough. You know, you just wake up some days and you're like, man, I just don't have what I used to have in the tank. And how do I adjust? How do I move forward? And that's just the, giving yourself a little bit of grace can go a long way. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's that, it's that little bit of grace for sure. Cause man, uh, life's, life's tough, man. <laughs> Austin, you said something now that, you know, as a black woman, I just, I really, really hear you 
and it was really small, but I heard it. And it's like being medicated. And I feel like when you're an African-American person and when you're a person of color, there is not just the stigma of going to the therapy and then getting the medication and then being open about it with your friends and family, because then instances will happen with those friends and family. And then that little comment, well, go to your little therapy then. Go take your little pill then. And things like that, though, is just being said in your community when you're trying to be vulnerable and you're trying to help people and be open about your own struggle. So I wonder, I have no idea what it's like to be a man. Thank you, Jesus. But how do you overcome? Like, how how do you continue to be like, no, this is my journey. This is what I'm doing. And I, and I don't care about all the stigma that comes around with it. God, I think... I had I had this conversation recently. You know, people people getting at me for being for being soft or sensitive or this, that, and the other. And hmm. you know, I, I had to tell them I was like, you know, this this would have bothered me a few years ago, maybe a couple of years ago, but I at the end of the day, I look at what I've been able to do. Like I am literally living my dream. I am not only living my musician dream, I have my own small business. I've been able to do some acting. I'm in a I'm in a national TV. I'm the face of this massive company. Like those are incredible things that I've gotten to do. And it's not like I don't want to make it like a comparing moment, like I've been able to do this. What have you been able to do? But like at the end of the day, like and those hyper-masculine situations it's like well look what i've done what are you doing you're miserable you're miserable so it's 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 kind of stepping back and saying well you know what i really can't let this bother me because i'm living my dream and maybe they're having a miserable day or maybe they're going through something where they feel the need to you know be a little hateful or be a little upset or whatever that's on you i'm not going to exacerbate that situation you know, prayers for you. Hope, hope, hope your life gets a little bit better. But I, I, you know, you can't worry about it. You really can't. And I, I totally agree. And I, I love that perspective. I do think though it takes time to get there because I think what's what's strange about reaching a lot of people is that you learn that people are wild <laughs> and like you know that sometimes it's just you've just reached them at the, at the wrong time. Or, you know, I, I read this, uh, there's this blog by Paul Graham, who's the founder of Y Combinator. It's called haters. And it's basically like haters are super fans that something went wrong with them. Like they should love you, but they don't. And so they just hit them at the wrong time, or they're just feeling some type of way. And it takes time because like the first time somebody reaches out and just says something hateful to you, it is a shock. It feels like, like for me, at least it felt like I had done something terribly wrong. And then I, I was like, took me some time with my therapist, like worked through some of it. And it was mostly like, I had to work my way to accept it that like, there was nothing I could do. There's nothing I did that made them feel that way. It's just, it's more on them and, you know, Hey, wish them the best. And I'm just like, not going to let some of that affect me. And also like, you know, this is difficult, especially with diabetes and like, you know, managing it. You, we talked about just life in general is hard enough. Life with diabetes is extremely difficult. Throw in a little like work or family drama, and then you're like really messed up. So I want I try to have grace for that, but you know it is a it is a shocking and like weird thing to get used to when you know people come and like come slide out you know coming out the side of their neck talking mad nonsense about you, right. and it's like oh whoa well, my bad for being out there publicly trying to help people. 
<laughs> yeah I, I mean you know you know i've posted stuff instances of people like hitting up my booking email and talking like wild crazy i got a death threat a couple months ago like just like dude sorry first of all sorry for being on your tv like it's not my fault but um man it's uh, <laughs> like cat williams said man haters need a job too so like... i cannot no not cat williams i'll try better to do these podcasts this is not the first mention of Cat Williams, I feel like. I feel like it's like the oh second or third. God. So it happens. It does happen. Hate, haters need to hate, man. That's it. <laughs> feel free. To I love it. it. No, I, I, I do too. And I, and I think it's like good to be open about those kind of types of things. I think we're, we're kind of living in an age where, you know, being an influencer or being a content creator or a podcaster or, you know, a public figure is like what some people are like want to do with their lives. And I think it's important to talk about like some of the, you got to get the good. You also have to accept the bad. And, you know, sometimes even with your best intentions, you know, people are going to be upset about something. And that's just, you know, I think when you reach a lot of people, there's going to be some people that just don't vibe with you and that's okay. That's not a reflection. To me, I'm like, hey, there's plenty of other people that you can love and give your and and you know support, and you can just kind of miss me. That's how you know you made it, man. When you got the haters, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I could do without them, though, honestly. So, you've got some dates coming up, up up in the Northeast. It looks like you're going to be doing some some shows up in Connecticut in February and March. What kind of what what are you excited about? You know, sharing your music and and on this sort of like spring 2023 tour that you've got going on yeah so just doing those those are all the local shows getting ready to to drop all the national shows this year we're goodness we're gonna be back down in nashville orlando atlanta i believe chicago as well so we'll be around pretty much pretty much everywhere all, all summer that'll be in the summer so right now it's just some local shows. We are in the process of recording our second full length as a band. So we've been doing that. We got a we got a couple of them down so far. So that's been really fun and time time consuming. But we're we're excited. It's going to be a, a a different year. We did about 130 shows last year and that was Ooh. a lot. Never again. So we're kind of focusing focusing on recording this year and and throwing shows in when we can but we will we'll be we'll be traveling a, a little bit more this year well very cool and uh, yeah I, I definitely relate sometimes i just i'm too optimistic about doing too many things and then by the end of it i'm like why did i do that to myself <laughs> 130 shows is wild it's a lot I, i'm i'm starting to notice this common thread with rob and our guests where you guys are all delusional but that's okay because it fully fuels your dreams and you definitely still cross that finish line so if the delusion gets you gentlemen through then i'm here for it <laughs> there we go <laughs> hey you know what i think it's working pretty well so far you know it's not uh, so we, bad yeah it's, it's working not pretty so well. bad at all man it's not so bad at all <laughs> I do have one kind of like closing question that I want to ask you and, and you've done a really great job of, this has been an awesome conversation, like around a lot of threads that I didn't even really expect kind of coming into it, but you know, for other young people and, you know, people with diabetes or people struggling with chronic illnesses, you know, even, you know, young people of color who are dealing with mental, mental illnesses and struggling with that stigma, like what advice for you would you have to them? you know, from, from you, Austin James to, you know, for those people who are just trying to keep it together. Wow. 
I think, you know, this day and age, we have access to so much and these kids have access to so much. For, so for these kids, like, you know, find find community, find find online community, find other people that are dealing with these things and find the right role models. It's been interesting seeing a lot of athletes now being so open about mental health and you're seeing visibility now with athletes like it was Mark Andrews and and the guy in the Chiefs I forgot the, the the tight end there that that you know have diabetes and these people are they're, they're just this the visibility is there now so it's letting these kids know like you have you have role models right in front of you you have access to community so you know you play play your Among Us and your in your Roblox but like also you know, with parental consent, you know, find a community. There's a lot of communities out there. There's a lot of resources and the technology now is so incredible to be able to, to manage your diabetes, things that I wish I had when I was younger. And, you know, even people who are like really into like Roblox or like Fortnite, there's gamer communities with diabetes as well, which is pretty exciting. And I just got introduced to the JDRF game to give community last year. And this is cool, man. Like people are raising big money for diabetes, gaming from home. And like that didn't exist before. Like what a cool, what a cool opportunity. You got to hook me up with that, by the way. <laughs> done. Consider it done. That's an easy cool. intro. Cool. I like that. Well, yeah. Austin, man, thank you so much for all that you do for people with diabetes. We're going to post along with your post when this podcast goes live, your local tour dates, and we'll for sure share out your national tour dates when those go live. But man, thank you for for being such a great role model for so many with diabetes and for continuing to share your vulnerable moments as well. Because, uh, you know, I know that uh, as, as much as we like to think we've all got it figured out, it's really nice to, uh, uh, to see when somebody, you know, at your position is, is being open with their struggles. And if you don't follow them already, it's just, it's Austin James music on, on Instagram. So yeah. And Austin James and the nomads as well. Those, those Austin are... James and the nomads tour dates coming soon. Yes. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you.